Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I am your host, Brian Weinstein, and she has a mic. She has a voice, and she's not afraid to use it. My trusty sidekick, Caitlin Postal. Oh, Brian, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All right. So today we have special guest. Brett Bernstein is with us from Gatsby.ai. How are you today, Brett? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you coming on. And um, Brett, why don't you tell us a little bit about Gatsby and, and a little bit on your background as well, and then we'll kind of hop in. Sure. Yeah. So Gatsby, we're about five years old now at this point. I started the company in 2016 back in Los Angeles. I'm now living uh, in Southern California, in San Diego. Um, and what we do is we help merchants, primarily Shopify merchants, but really it doesn't matter. They can be on any platform, help them scale their influencer strategy. Right. And to go back a little bit, what I, what I recognized when I started this company was that the barriers to entry to become a e-commerce merchant have gone way down, right? Shopify has made it extremely easy to start an e-commerce store. My mom did it, right? It's just not really a big, a big hurdle anymore. But because of that, the big hurdle is actually how to stand out from the competition, how to acquire customers, uh, you know, how to actually be successful at it. And uh, not to go too far into this with your first question, but what I saw was that most brands are growing with the same formula, which is acquire customers through Facebook ads and Google ads primarily, and just try to get a good uh, ROAS on that. The problem is it's, it's not scalable as more competition enters the market. Keyword competitiveness goes up. The prices to acquire go up. Uh, retention goes down. There's more competition. And I kind of saw this, this third acquisition channel on the fringe, which was influencer marketing. I thought, how can I make that third channel more scalable and more effective to be in competition with advertising. And so that's, that's kind of how this whole idea started and where we're at today. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, when you get, when you're in that Facebook world and like you said, there's a lot of competition, you're trying to get your, your message out. And, and so for these rising brands, I mean, we call them startups in our world where they're really just coming out and maybe they're just getting into it. Is there, is there sort of an inflection point in their growth where it starts to make sense to go the influencer direction in terms of like company size or where they are in volumes? Well, we at Gatsby have sort of redefined influencer marketing. So I would say before us and our approach that we've taken, the answer is yes. You have to have uh, the resources and the funds to pay influencers uh, typically, uh, or have somebody on staff whose primary job it is, is to spend all day sourcing influencers, micro influencers, managing the collaborations, the communication. It's typically done manually on a spreadsheet today, which we work with clients, some of the largest in the ecosystem, as well as some of the smaller ones. And it doesn't matter how big your company is, there's a good chance you're currently doing things in a, in a very manual way. So the answer is it's a lot quicker to start up on ads and acquire your first customers that way. And once you had the ball rolling uh, and you have resources to put behind the strategy, then it made sense. I'll kind of, if it makes sense, go into more of the details, but Essentially, there's ways now that you can just automate outreach, automate collaborations, uh, automate the content, all of that uh, through through your customers. And that's what we've kind of helped to create. 
Yeah. And, and let's take a step back because you, you, you mentioned something that maybe not everybody's familiar with, uh, micro influencers. Mm-hmm. And, and can you tell us like, could just describe what, what is a micro influencer just versus an influencer or macro influencer or whatever it might be? Yeah. So we actually just, is there a video on this podcast or are we just doing audio? No, we're just doing audio. Okay. So there is a blog post that your listeners can go to on our website. It's gatsby.ai slash blog. And we just published this one last week, but it actually shows a strategy shift uh, from the larger influencers down to the micro. And at the most quantitative position, the big difference is follower size and audience reach, right? That's really the definition of a, of a larger versus a micro. Mm-hmm. But at a more qualitative uh, analysis, it comes down to engagement rate and the um, targetedness of their following, right? So when you have a micro-influencer, there's a much higher probability that the people following that person know them in real life or know them through a friend of a friend or are part of the same niche interest groups. Uh, They're maybe the same geography. Those were the attributes where a larger influencer, someone with a million followers, their audience typically doesn't know them personally. And so as a result, the engagement rate is much different. A large traditional influencer which, you know, go back decades is like a celebrity. And nowadays, right. it could be somebody who is sort of celebrity's status is from influencing. Yep. They might get a one or 2% engagement rate on the high end, right? right. I mean, that when they publish a piece of content, one to 2% of their audience will engage with it. Uh, whereas a, a micro-influencer, you could get seven to 12%. Me, you know, me personally, I have like 500 Instagram followers. I have a normal you know, a network of people that I've met along the years. And when I post content, I'm getting 20% because that's just, these are my friends and family. People know you personally, they want to engage with your content. And so the purpose of, of Gatsby and the micro-influencer movement is to build an army of these smaller advocates that have probably already purchased your products before. They've engaged with your brand uh, organically. The people that they are uh, posting content and engaging with for, they typically care about the posts, right? Like right. actually I told you before we started recording, I went um, paddleboarding yesterday with my girlfriend and I published a, a funny photo of us out there at the pumpkin patch and the paddleboarding thing. And like my friends are, they want to know what I'm up to and, and they want to engage with that. So the more you can get along that authentic scale, the better your, your brand and your strategy will be. Right. So it's, it's taking a little bit of a difference, right? I mean, obviously a micro influencer still has to have some followers because you with your 500, if you've had 10% engagement, it's, it's, it's 50 people versus Chrissy Teigen at 1% is, you know, uh, still, still fairly sizable. So I'm sure there has to be some, uh, some breadth of, of followers, but at the same time, it gives it more of a, of a grassroots feel. I mean, is that sort of the, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It, the grassroots, grassroots, authenticity, all of that comes in here, but you'd be surprised. We have client because we can automate this on the Gatsby platform. Mm-hmm. You do have, we have large brands that are actually saying, Hey, between one follower and a thousand followers, we'll still give you some messaging. Please okay. go post about what you just bought from us. You know, the offer, the incentive is, is reduced. It could be as much as just a, a please post and we love you type of message. Um, or it could be a promotion code. And then as you go up the, the, you know, the scale of influence, the offers and engagement get higher, but it still is way less than paying the, the name celebrity influencer. And so, yeah, you, which you mentioned, I think you mentioned Chrissy, like that influence one person with micro and one person with macro, it's not apples and apples, 
Right. And you get a thousand people with a micro influencer following, they're going to outperform the larger influencer every single day. Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. And, and are there particular verticals that really lend towards the micro influencer more than others? Uh, so <laughs> I think influencer marketing in general skews toward brands that are selling visually appealing products, first of all, um, but also ones that target a younger demographic. So fashion, beauty, sporting goods, uh, things that get you outside, yoga. you know, these things, uh, <laughs> yoga, hundred percent. I feel like yoga always, not an ad, but everyone goes yeah. crazy. They go nuts. We're talking with the yoga brand right now, actually. I mean, yeah, yoga is big, but, uh, really like what's cool is, is that is, those are the highest performing verticals. The, the, uh, analytics and data we're able to provide those brands typically is, is better. However, we also have clients that use our platform for micro influencer marketing that have, they sell tools, right? Or, I mean, we just have a wide array because at the end of the day, brands that have customers have influencers. And so no matter what you're selling, people are passionate. There's some degree of your audience that's going to be passionate about your products because maybe you make the best screw, you know, and they're, they're in the home improvement industry, right? Like, listen, guys, I've spent my whole life in the home improvement industry buying this screw. This one is going to save me, you know, this amount of time. And, and I want to tell my other people in the industry about it. And so it doesn't really matter if it's like you're in the visually appealing fashion industry. That's what's cool about this space is that there's, there's customers who are passionate. As long as you make a good product, right? You have customers that are passionate about what you're building and they are happy to go out there and talk about it especially with a little nudge from the brand that they're, they're buying from. Yeah. So, so it sounds like almost like community you're, you're chasing that sense of community. So if, if I'm looking for the best screw, I'm, I'm going to that guy who I know that's been in the hardware business for 15 years. I don't care what screw Chrissy Teigen used because it doesn't mean anything. So brand awareness around community, it sounds like is where the key is where the micro really hits hard. It's, it's funny. Cause we, we've actually been adding that, uh, that word to a lot of our content recently, customer community. Right. Right? We're basically balancing micro influencer and customer community, making them almost synonymous, at least in our content, because you're hundred uh, percent on a point there with that yeah. analogy. And it makes sense, right? Because when you see, I feel like when the bigger, the macro influencers, when I see, as soon as I see hashtag ad, I'm like, they're getting paid for this. I, mm-hmm. They're not even authentic. They don't really even, I'm not, taking that into consideration the way that I would, if you were to tell me, Brett, buy this paddleboard, because I know that you do it and you enjoy it. So that makes sense for me if I'm going to, to consider purchasing something in that space. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is when you see a hashtag ad on an influencer's post, you know, that they're, they're being paid for it. And you know, that it may not be them authentic, you know, authentically saying they're using that, that shampoo or that screw that paddleboard. It's basically just traditional advertising in the sense that it's more, uh, impressions, you know, subconsciously you're seeing that content, you're seeing that brand out there and it's just traditional advertising. But when you go to the micro influencer, it's, it's getting into the, uh, what is it? The ethos, right. Or the pathos. I always forget the one that's like more of an emotional appeal, right. Yeah. Where like you actually can, can see the person that you, uh, look to for interests or influence. They're actually genuinely using it. And so it's just a different degree of, of impact it makes on you. Yeah. Are, are there any micro influencers that are interested in podcasts around e-commerce? <laughs> there are some of our uh, greatest partners. I mean, a hundred percent. You go on LinkedIn. I, I can name off a few friends, but I don't want to get. I don't want to uh, without their consent. But yeah. <laughs> so, so how does the whole engagement process work? How do you engage, and how do you know which micro influencers are the right ones for for your organization, for your brand? So there's a lot of tools out there that 
uh, I won't talk down because they they're good in the way that they do what they do. And then there's our approach as well with Gatsby. So I'll kind of talk about both. So traditionally the traditional influencer marketing strategy starts, uh, well, starts by manually looking up people on Instagram, maybe doing hashtag searches, whatever. But once you're, you have a budget and you want to put this thing to scale, brands will typically go and they'll purchase a, a software that allows them to access a database and they can search for people based upon interests and engagement rate, that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of start with a giant pool of people who have raised their hands saying, yes, I want to be an influencer. Here's my rate or here's my previous content. Reach out to me for a collaboration. That's one way of doing it. And there's, there's some great softwares out there that do that approach. Uh, on the flip side, I thought that that was a, already a pretty established market and there were some flaws with it because it is so hard to scale. There's a lot of people on there that maybe aren't the right fit for you that'll just do whatever and, or they won't respond to you. So have you, have you guys heard of like softwares? I'm sure you have softwares like Clavio or Omnisend or, or sail through or any of those, right? Yep. So email marketing is an SMS marketing make up like the largest share of, of revenue, right? Like I think it's somewhere like 30% of a brand's revenue comes from their email marketing. So brands are very well versed on how to run their email automation, their SMS automations, right? So instead of having them learn another software for influencer marketing, Gatsby went and we built a plugin right into Klaviyo, OmniSend, SailThrough, HubSpot, MailChimp, et cetera, that allows you to run influencer marketing directly within Klaviyo. So essentially, instead of having to go and, and manage every individual micro-influencer and, and kind of judge them individually, we instead say, here's all of your customers that have opted in to give you their Instagram handle. Here's how much influence they have. And you can put them into buckets. So right in the same way you manage an email flow uh, for let's say card abandonment or holiday promotion, you now have their influence directly layered on top. So you could say, hey, any customers who purchased from us in the past 60 days, maybe they bought one of these uh, verticals of products and they have between one follower and a thousand followers, let's give them this email to post about their recent purchase, right? They have between 1,000 and and 2,000 followers. Let's give them this email with this offer to talk about what they purchased, right? And so instead of having to go and manage every influencer one-on-one, you instead you start with a baseline of like, these are your customers. You want to engage with them anyways, no matter how influential they are. And now you can actually just segment them into one degree further of, of targeting and say, we know you like Instagram this much, right? We know you have this following. We'll actually refund your purchase or we'll go and we'll, give you a free item or a free gift or first access to this next uh, product launch. If you go and talk about what you just got, you know, assuming you love it. And that's the idea. Yeah. What's the willingness of providing the uh, IG handle? Well, our brands will capture it in many different ways, right? So okay. it could be in the, in the pop-up window on the homepage, like the first welcome series pop-up. It could be on a landing page where they drive traffic to it. It could be on the post-purchase page, which I actually recommend every brand does because it takes five, 10 minutes to put a form there. It's very minimal on design. Um, and so different capture points of different uh, different uh, conversion rates on the form. What I would say, just like back of the napkin here, is in general, about 15 to 20% of the customers who choose to give you their email address into a pop-up window will choose to give you their handle as well, right? So typically handles an optional field. So you know, 15, 20% of them will give you their handle. If they give you their email address, um, add, adding a form post purchase totally can depend upon, uh, you know, a lot of different things, how the form looks, if it's messaged like an influencer program, or if it's like, get more involved with us. Uh, but the moral of the story is that there's really a no downside to asking for this data. Cause again, yeah. it's just your customers and having more about them is, is always a good thing. 
Right. And any micro influencer, they're giving you their handle before you even ask for it. Like stop putting your handle on on a sticker. I don't want it. (laughs) They want you to engage with them. They want, they 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 want that. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting to me that you're, it's actually like, I guess to a degree you're going out and you're looking for these micro influencers, but at the same time, you're letting them come, the brands are letting them come to them, Mm -hmm. letting them become customers. And, and Brett, to your point, they are, they are customers who are already enjoying the product. And now you're saying, Hey, listen, you know, you've, you, you seem to have this far reach, you know, here's what we can do for you. You know, first release, whatever exclusives, um, discounts, rebates entirely to get to that point. And that's, that's interesting that that's a way to go about it. So obviously the brand then has to reach out to that particular person and say, Hey, listen, this is what we're interested in. What kind of engagement back do you get? Is that a high percentage responding to an email or or some sort of DM? So again, all of this will vary by brand because of the different, we have some brands that do plain text emails, right? Saying, you know, just showing them a plain text message, asking them to post in exchange for this incentive. Other brands will have a really well thought out structured campaign with beautiful HTML animated emails. So it really varies. We did have a a case study come out. I think the the brand was showing like 15 or 20% of emails that went out, um, got responded to the post. It really just, you know, it's for the brands to do testing and and figure it out how it's going to fit with their customer base and, and everything else. But I did see that this particular brand had a 2x open rate on their influencer marketing emails versus their traditional emails. And then the engagement rates that they got were like 9% on average. So 9% engagement rates on the posts that went out on their behalf. And our software, by the way, can track all that. So we can track every time a customer mentions you in a, in a post or a story, we can pull in those insights. And then we also can send that data back to Clavio. OmniSend, et cetera. So you don't actually give anything away ahead of time. You only right. give them their incentive, their reward after they post. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all automated through our integration with the, with the email marketing system. Amazing. And so how is it then measured? How does it, the success rate by, by maybe the aggregate micro influencers that you're using, or, or maybe even the individual micro uh, influencers that you're using, how, how, how is that track? How is there, is there any way to measure the success that's coming from that? Yeah. So engagement rate, you know, likes, comments, taps, backs, taps forward on stories, that kind of stuff. Those are important metrics. Um, we have an estimate for reach in the Gatsby portal, but another, you know, big area that brands look at for ROI is just the content itself. There is a nonstop need for fresh, high-performing content. So inside of Gatsby, what's cool is you can see all the content that your uh, customers have posted about you. You can just easily sort them by engagement rate or by like counts and then take that that content assuming you got the consent in the form take that content and turn it into a high performing ad on facebook or tiktok or or instagram etc and so just being able to save your time of finding content at ugc that alone helps brands so it really comes down to how the brands want to measure it some brands will connect in their affiliate program so they'll give their influencers at least of a certain influence uh, level an affiliate link They'll measure orders and, and conversions through that. Uh, they'll measure redemptions of codes to say, okay, we have all of our influencers, these codes, and these codes have been used for a hundred orders, a thousand orders, whatever it is. And they can measure ROI through that. We are working on a feature to actually build in that order tracking, that order ROI functionality into Gatsby uh, early next year. So uh, there's just different ways you can do it. Um, but at the end of the day, 
it could be a mixture of time saving, content creation, and uh, and sales. So when you're choosing how many micro influencers a brand should have, is there any metrics that are used there that are that might be important to them so they're not maybe oversaturating with the micro influencers, or maybe there isn't a point of oversaturation. Is is there some sort of way to capture the right number that makes sense for the for the size of the brand? The more the barrier, uh, that, at least in our approach, before Gatsby or not using Gatsby, I should say, there is a limitation on resources that your company has to manage all those collaborations. So from that standpoint, there could be a maximum that's good for your business. But in our approach, because it's all your customers and it's all using automation, you want to just open up the floodgates. Because again, going back to the very beginning of this conversation, when I started Gatsby, my intention was to make influencer marketing as scalable as a, you know, as a, and as effective as the turn on, turn off spigot of advertising of, you know, Facebook ads and Google ads. So my approach is to be able to turn on a flow and a Clavio flow or OmniSend flow, et cetera, and have that same scalable approach, that same spigot on and off. So no, there's no reason you shouldn't have as many of your influential customers posting about you as, as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I keep thinking about it and it's, it's interesting because you really are, you've got people now, you're not being talk to like a, like a, a macro influencer would, right. Or they're, they're talking to you. There's the disconnect. You're, you're now have people talking with you mm-hmm. and, and speaking with you in, in that sense that it is forming that community. We keep talking about this and this, this is a repeated topic uh, on, on the podcast it is just e-commerce is creating communities. And as big as it is, and you know, the world wide web as it is, right. We're now creating these small pockets of communities uh, that make people feel a lot more connected. And I, I think this, this approach, this micro influencer approach really lends itself to that with all these brands, because you, you know, you, you've got people who are sharing a, a common interest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, that's a key, that's a key component to the success of a brand is when they have those other people in that community is forming and everyone feels connected. I mean, yeah. And to give you a fresh analogy, this is, we're now recording this in uh, mid October. It's a squid game. You know, Netflix show is blowing up right now. And it's because everybody's telling their friends about it, right? Like yep. just you're, you're harnessing that, that same strategy, but for your brand and, and uh, it's pretty powerful when it, when it's actually done, you know, through all these different scalable approaches. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Brett, I really appreciate the time. This is, this is very valuable information. And I think um, it gives brands a, uh, another way to get their voice out there. And quite honestly, I think it's the most genuine, one of the more genuine ways to get your voice out there. So uh, appreciate the insight. Uh, again, it's Brett Bernstein from Gatsby AI. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Brian and Caitlin as well. Appreciate you guys both having me on here today. Thank you, no. Brett. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Check us out at sippinandshipping.com or on your favorite podcast platform. We'll see you two Thursdays from today. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you everybody. Take care.